Welcome to Motherhood in Black and White. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. And this week we get to talk about my favorite person with my favorite person. So Tara and I are going to talk about Michelle Obama and her new book, which Tara had the pleasure and privilege of being a part of the book tour just a couple of weeks ago. So I want to talk to Tara about this, and then we're going to dive into some of the content of Michelle Obama's follow-up to her best-selling memoir, Becoming, and this new book, The Light We Carry. It talks about strategies and powerful strategies for us all to stay connected in today's world. Mm -hmm. But first, Tara... A couple weeks ago, you went and saw my Auntie Michelle without me. That's it. And some reason I'm still talking to you. I don't know why. (laughs) This is like the reason that most friendships fail is when one person's like, oh, I'm going to see Michelle Obama without you. And then you expect the other person to be cool with it. And resentment. Yikes. Yikes. But but (laughs) let's back up. Tell us how this happened. How did you get tickets to go see Michelle Obama on her tour? So a couple of months ago, uh, my mother-in-law texted me. And she said, hey, I have this really crazy idea. Michelle Obama's going on tour. I really, really want to see her. I just love her so much and I want to see her in person. I can't see her when she comes to Atlanta, but I was thinking about going to Philadelphia for the weekend she's going in November. Would you be willing to meet me up there? And so I was like checking my calendar and I'm like, you know what? I would be willing to do that. So we just kind of made a little girl's weekend of it. Okay. So you went to the tour mm-hmm. and tell us about the format and kind of what you, how it was for you. So this book tour, I don't know if she did this on the Becoming tour. She may have. This book tour, essentially what happened is every stop had a different moderator, kind of interviewer person. And so for the Philadelphia night we went, it was a Hoda copy. And um, so she came out. They sat down in like chairs and essentially Hoda interviewed her um, and asked her some questions. And then Michelle would tell stories or just share her insights. A lot of it was from the book because Hoda had read it as well. And then they would share, they shared pictures while she was talking, which was really fun because you got to see some background, like family stuff, not just when with uh, the first family, but like when Michelle was young, you got to see her like her childhood home and things like that. So that was fun. It was just lovely. It's about an hour and a half. Mm. So some of the other moderators on the tour have been Gail King, mm-hmm. Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry, Ellen DeGeneres, DeGeneres yes, um, Oprah Winfrey, mm-hmm. and even David Letterman. I know. That kind of shook me a little bit. Like, how'd that happen? <laughs> Dave's in there. You've seen what he's doing these days. He's he's diversifying his interviews. <laughs> he's a great interviewer. He is a fantastic. He's a really good interviewer. Yes. yes. I would love to, um, to witness that or see some clips about how that is. Yeah. Because I'm sure that Michelle and David could definitely go toe to toe. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So it was an hour and a half. How did it feel? Tell us. It was just lovely. What I loved about it was it was at the Met in Philly, which is a small venue, but super cool, really old. So it was kind of fun that it was like in a small, intimate space. They do this thing where they invite a local small bookstore to come into the space and sell her book. Mm. Therefore, so the the proceeds of those sales go straight to that bookstore, which I loved. Wonderful. Super fun. Um, and, you know, I'm sure you can imagine the crowd. It's like 98% women and very across the board on, you know, background, ethnicity, age, all those things. So super fun. Everybody is there because they love Michelle Obama. So you've got that sort of vibe going. And then there was a couple of cool things like um, there were these two, uh, there was these two black women. One was, one had just turned a hundred and one was 95. They were sisters. It's going to make me cry. And the one whose birthday it was said that all she wanted for her birthday was to come see Michelle Obama. And of course, Michelle 
met them backstage and there's a clip of it on her Instagram that will just get you because mm-hmm. they just are so excited. So that was super fun. And we all clapped for them for her birthday and stuff, which was awesome. So they were really cute. They sat up front and then Malia was there. So she was super excited that her daughter was there. Um, you could just tell she was like the way she talked about her when she showed up, she was really excited. She was there. So that was fun. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing that I love about Michelle Obama, a former first lady, Michelle Obama, is that, you know, she's a mom first. Mm-hmm. And that's always been something that's been at the heart of things that she's talked about. And I was fortunate enough to see the Becoming tour. Mm-hmm. I saw her live when she did the Becoming tour okay. a few years ago. And did you have a chance to see that tour? I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I um, I remember when it came through. And I feel like there was a reason I didn't make that tour. But no, I did not see her then. This was my first time to see her in person. Oh, it was yeah. really lovely. Yes, she's um, she just has a spirit of of, of love about her and it mm-hmm. surrounds her in that energy. It just is contagious. So I'm glad you had a chance to mm-hmm. see it. And I'm glad that you have a chance to kind of share with us and our podcast family this week um, some of the content of the book and some of the stories that Michelle Obama shared. So since we weren't able to be in Philadelphia with Tara, y'all... <laughs> She is lovely enough that she's going to share some of the stories that she heard and learned with us. That's right. Um, So the book, The Light We Carry, it's out now. And in the introduction of the book, Miss Obama, she kind of discusses the process of finding strength and light within ourselves. And the book is broken up into 10 chapters. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about a couple of the chapters and some of the stories that Tara heard during um, the tour. And she's going to share with us kind of how that felt. And we can reflect about what those stories mean to us. Right. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So one of the chapters that is in the book, it's titled The Power of Small. And in that chapter, Mrs. Obama wrote, Uh, that sometimes it turns out the smallest of tools can help us to sort through the largest of feelings. Mm -hmm. And that resonates because sometimes it's just, we have to kind of act small to deal with the big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and throughout her life, uh, Mrs. Obama has dealt with lots of feelings that have attached to circumstances in her life Mm -hmm. and also circumstances beyond her control. So one story that I think she told that you were going to share with us today, Tara, um, tell us about that and kind of how how that made you feel when you were hearing it. Yeah. So one of the things that they opened with that Hoda was asking her about that I actually didn't know, so I've not been paying attention, is that Mrs. Obama's dad had MS. You know, Hoda asked her to kind of share about what that was like for her having a parent with a disability. And if I remember correctly, she said they didn't call it a disability. They called it, oh, I can't remember now. It was like a something about different. It was just different, right? It wasn't a disability. It was just different. She really shared about how as a kid, it was one of those things where she watched her father never use that in a way to not show up 100% every day. She's just like, I watched him get up, go to work, work hard, earn money, progress in his career, provide for us. It never made a difference. And she said, so that really taught me something about, you know, the power of, you know, work ethic and integrity and just that just because somebody has a different experience doesn't mean they aren't able to participate fully, you know, and enjoy their lives. And, but she also talked about how, but it meant that they had to, what did she say? We we had to count our steps. You know, when we were out in public with him, he always walked with a cane or a walker. And so we had to slowly, you know, we had to walk slow with him. We had to count our steps. We had to account for a little bit of a different pace in some ways. And so it was interesting. She had this juxtaposition of watching her father do everything full, full bore, but also having to 
account for time with him and make sure that kind of slow her own pace down to kind mm-hmm. of keep steps with him. She used that phrase a lot, kept my steps, you know, as like a a way to slow down and and watch how you're doing things and how you're showing up for someone and, you know, the way you're showing yourself up to the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beautiful. One thing that I remember um, from when I heard her speak a few years ago on the Becoming Tour was talking about um, kind of, of patterns, mm-hmm. right? And how, mm-hmm. you, you know, just small steps, sustained steps can really start to make and create change. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, if you think about the big picture, it's just doing those little activities every single day. And mm-hmm. it's just showing up. It's it's the power of and the importance of having our kids see us um, go to work every day Correct. to teach them work ethic. It's right. not just showing up and like saying like, oh, here it is. This is it. Um, it's about dealing with and showing our children, showing people around us what we want our lives to be and just taking little deliberate intentional steps in action every single day to make that happen. Yeah. Consistency. Consistency mm-hmm. is key. Yeah. And kind of how we show up in the world. And um and for me, when I think about like what Michelle Obama has meant to me in my life again, it's just seeing her as a role model and knowing oh now you're gonna make me cry here. But but knowing <laughs> kind of like more about her background, like how she grew yes. up. It's like she she didn't have it. She she wasn't she wasn't born or created in the White House. Right. And a lot of people, they see that image and it's like, oh, well, this is the person who lives in the White House. Uh-huh. She must have had this kind of life. And mm-hmm. we make assumptions. So I'm really, really happy that she has a she's given us that insight into her past and mm-hmm. into her upbringing. So we know that, no, she was not born or raised on a hill. These are the struggles and these are the things that she endured to get through, to get to where she is now. Absolutely. I agree with that. She, um, I knew a little bit about her, but not, not that in depth. And it was really fun to see her, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like um, seeing her in person for this event, it's like, oh, I mean, she's just this great person. Like she's, she's a whole human being. You know what I mean? Yes. She was first lady. Yes. She was a, you know, she's a public figure. Yes. But she's so funny and like, she's had this whole life and it's just, I mean, it was just like talking or like hearing from anybody else, you know, any other mom. It was just great. Right. And and then what she does is she takes these, these things that she's learned through her life and from her life and she distills them into actionable strategies that each of us can kind of use right. and relate to and reflect upon. Right. Right. Um, another chapter in her book uh, is, is titled Starting Kind. And in this particular chapter, Mrs. Obama writes that real growth begins with how gladly you're able to see yourself. Mm-hmm. And from there, she told a story about like sometimes how we don't always start from a place of kindness. That's right. But we should. What was that story that she shared with you? Um, so she was talking a lot about her kids and that story and sort of a little bit of her shortfalls. And she shared this quote from Toni Morrison. And I'll tell it to you first because it helps with the story. She said she had heard this quote from Toni Morrison that it changed everything for her. And it was that when a child walks into the room, your child or anyone else's child, do your eyes light up. That's what they're looking for. And she was talking about how she realized she would often greet her kids with a critical eye, which I think she also got from Toni Morrison. And Malia was there that night. And so she said, I'll tell you the story. I was in my hotel room. We're getting ready for the event. And Malia comes in and she was wrinkled. She, you know, she'd been traveling or whatever. And like all her clothes were wrinkled. And she was actually coming to my room to get the steamer. But when she walked in my room, 
instead of being like, oh my God, you're here. I'm so glad you're here. She goes, I immediately said, you're wrinkled. <laughs> you know, like, what are you going to do about that? She goes, and I realized, she goes, I do this. I, I see my kids and I immediately, I'm like, what's wrong with your hair? Like, why is your clothes? You know, she goes, I do it. And, and I, and I, she goes, and I'm trying to get better about greeting them with gladness because that is what our children need. And that's what feeds them. You know, when they come in and I'm just so happy they're here, I know that that does way more for them than me trying to help correct or fix something that's going on with them. And um, she was telling stories about, she was telling that specific story about Malia and how she struggles with it with her own kids. But that, that was why when she was in the white house, it was so important to her to have kids there to constantly have that house be open to like, you know, kids that wouldn't have that experience, her friend, her kids, friends, you know, like she just always wanted there to be an openness for other kids to be there and spend time. And she said, because what you don't realize is that might be the only day that kid has gladness for them. You know, that might be the only experience that kid has when you see them, if somebody else's kid, and if you greet them with gladness, that might be the only time they get that. She goes, because I think sometimes as parents, we immediately convert to that critical eye. And so I, I've always felt like trying to change it to greeting those kids with gladness and being happy that they're there and, and excited to see them has made such a huge difference. And she said, and I'm having to work on it as a mother of my own kids. Mm-hmm. She goes, it's really hard. Oh, girl, I feel so seen with that yeah. because that's just something that I do. Like, for example, you know, Roman's now in eighth grade. And when I pick him up in middle school, sometimes if let's say I, I get his grades during the day, he didn't do well on a mm-hmm, test mm-hmm. or, um, I, and I go to pick him up or or let's say I, I'm going and I go to his room before I pick him up and I see his clothes are on the floor. Mm-hmm. Right. I go to pick him up at school and I see him. And as soon as he gets in the car, he's like, hey, mom, I'm like, why didn't you put your clothes in the, yes. in the dirty clothes hamper before you went to school? Yes. Pause. Pause. Full stop, mom. Yes. Full stop, Kanji. Yeah. Can you get better at when you see your child for the first time in the day? Say, hey, buddy. It is so good to see. You, mm-hmm. you know, when we get home, <laughs> he goes yeah. up to his room. They, now let's correct now things. Let's correct things. <laughs> but I am somebody who doesn't always start kind. Mm-hmm. And when you t- first told me that story, that's what I immediately thought about is how am I showing up for my son and for my friendships and for my relationships? Am I leading with love, mm-hmm. which I know I should do? And um, and what can I do? to maybe make that more of a, a practice and something that I'm able to do on a daily basis. Yeah, I think I, I mean, and I can do it anywhere. I can be very like task focused and I can forget to start with like, hey, how are you doing? What's going on with you? I'm so glad to see you. I immediately am like, hey, we need to do the thing and the stuff and the did you and the blah, blah. So I get it. I yeah. totally get it. Um, so what I think we can all take away from that is that we should just start kind. Mm-hmm. And also continue kind and finish kind. I agree. There's a theme. Just kindness <laughs> all the way through, people. <laughs> yeah. And I just said, Tara, that when, when you were sharing that story about uh, Malia coming in her regal clothes, I was like, ooh, I feel seen. And that's actually a chapter of one of Mrs. Omaba's book. Mm-hmm. And the chapter is, Am I Seen? Mm-hmm. And in that chapter, um, Mrs. Omaba writes, like, how you view yourself becomes everything. It's your foundation, the starting point for changing the world around you. Mm -hmm. As a black woman who um, has kind of been the first 
the only in many instances in my professional life, I have often felt unseen. Mm -hmm. I have often felt not valued. I have often felt unworthy. And just in the last couple of years, you know, as I've done a lot of therapy work (laughs) and as I've, I've started to open up, it's like, I finally start to feel seen and valued and to know and to hear that Mrs. Obama is actually dedicating a part of a story to talk about like what that is and what it feels like um, is so important for me to see. And I'm glad that she talked about that and she was able to share that experience with in the book and also with those of you that were able to hear her on tour. Yeah. One of the maybe the first or second questions, honestly, that Hoda asked her was, I mean, just straight up, like, are you happier outside I mean, were you happier as soon as that was over the White House experience? Oh, yeah. And she immediately, like, no hesitation, was like, yes, yes. Wow. So much happier. Really? Mm -hmm. Tell us more. So what else did she say? Yeah, so Hoda's like, well, talk to us about that. And she she started with the story of the inauguration. President Trump's inauguration? Yes. She's like, you know which one I'm talking about is what she said. She, (laughs) She didn't say his name. But she said, yes, it started with the inauguration. And she goes, and I... She goes, and there were all these pictures of me and a lot of comments about, like, well, you didn't look happy. You didn't look happy. And she's like, I wasn't. I wasn't happy. She's like, after all of that time, she goes, well, I think what I realized was it was eight years of holding my breath. She's like, it's so, it was so difficult in retrospect to be the first, you know, Black family in the White House, be the first Black first lady. She goes, I just felt like, and she brought that back. She goes, we were constantly counting our steps. Like we were constantly like trying to avoid it. And she goes, and there's a reason that there was no scandal. There was no, you didn't see us out in the news doing crazy. She goes, there was a reason. She goes, we very consciously counted our steps and, you know, put on a a good face and kept it tight. And she goes, and what I didn't realize is after eight years of doing that, the minute it was over, it was like a huge weight lifted off my chest. She goes, and I, I didn't realize I'd been carrying that weight. She goes, until it was gone. And to hear her tell that, and to you could like feel it when she told it. You're like, oh my God, I can feel that, like what that must have felt like. And she talked about how she went home from that inauguration and just sobbed for like 30 minutes. Just a combination of not only the weight, but also just seeing something totally different go into the White House, you know, made her feel a certain way. And you know, all that work they put in and feeling like it was kind of going a different direction, but also just realizing that she was free mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. I remember my previous job, I was an executive at a financial institution yeah. and um, I worked there for about eight years. And when I was hired in 2013, I was the first black and female executive. I was the first black executive and probably the third or fourth female executive. I stayed there for eight years. And during my eight-year tenure, I was still the only Mm -hmm. Black female executive. And unless you are marginalized, unless you are the first or the only, it is really hard to explain to people the weight that you carry with you and how it changes the way that you move through the world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't even understand it because it's not even a part of their, the way that they even think about the world, right? I've mentioned before, it's like, I knew that I, in that role, I didn't have the latitude and I didn't have the liberty or the pleasure of messing up. Yeah. Because if I messed up, you know, they would never have hired another mm-hmm. black woman. That's right. right. And they would be like, oh, well, you know, we tried it with Kanji and it didn't work out. So we're going to go back to what we knew. Yeah. But never once thinking like, oh, well, we've also tried it with 
Tom and, right. and Don and yeah. Jerry and yeah. Mark and none of those worked out. So yeah. we're not going to hire white. But that's not the way it is. Right. And when the Obamas were in the White House, I mean, from the from the day that President Obama was inaugurated on January 19th, 2009, when they were walking down the street, I think a lot of Black America collectively held our breaths. Mm-hmm. I remember them walking down the street and like, oh, someone's going to assassinate this man. Mm. Um, and then every step that they took, you could just tell there was this level of scrutiny around their decisions and, you know, hairstyles and Michelle Obama wearing the sleeveless. You remember that, right? Yes, I do. President Obama in his tan suit. Mm -hmm. You know, I do. (laughs) I remember. It's just, and it was like for, for me as a black woman, there was a level of like protection, right? If I was ever in a circumstance or a situation where people were talking about the Obamas, um, either their personal lives or things like that, it was me trying to protect them. I was like, oh, you're not going to talk about my auntie and uncle that way. <laughs> right. And that was why I think that Mrs. Obama is someone who is such a beloved figure, because a lot of people, not just black people, a lot of women feel yeah. like we are protective of her. Yes. Um, a lot of mothers feel that we are protective of her. Yes. Because she was raising two young daughters in the White House during this tumultuous time. So, you know, with the rise of the Tea Party and all the stuff that they yeah. were going through. So... Um, yeah, she yeah. shared that story. And she even said, you know, when she was talking about it, she even said what you just said, which is knowing that any misstep would be assigned to an entire race, like that it would be a thing that this type of person does. Mm-hmm. And when, and I was, I, I will say, uh, while it was a really diverse crowd, it was, there was, there was a lot of black, there were a lot of black women, obviously. And we were, uh, I think everybody around us sitting was a black woman and I could hear them all kind of nodding and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was like, I, I understand. And I really was impressed that I think that was one of the things that I loved about seeing her like this is that I don't know if she ever would have felt okay to say that while she was first lady. So right. it felt really good that she got to, she gets to say that mm-hmm. kind of thing now. And it's also just as good to see her after sharing that story. She was so like, she was so funny and so, you know, free, like you could just see it on her. And so when she's sharing that story and then you're seeing her now, you're just like, I'm so glad for her that she gets to, you know, not just leave that behind, but be yourself now, be more free. Yeah. Before we turn to the last chapter that we're going to discuss, I wanted to to take a minute to ask you, you know, you're a white woman. Mm-hmm. Your mother-in-law is a white woman. And mm-hmm. your mother-in-law is closer to 70, correct? Years old? Yes, almost. Mm-hmm. Almost 70 years mm-hmm. old. So I'm curious, like, what was the conversation the two of you all had? If you, if, if I'm not prying. Oh, no. If I am prying. No. Oh, well, you own a podcast. No, so no. Right. You're like, like, what was, what, like, what was that conversation like from your, from your point of view afterwards? Like, what was her point of view? Yeah. Seeing and hearing all of that. Well, you know, Going into this, she loves Michelle Obama. So she went into it just she her comments to me was like, I just want to be in the same room with her. I just love her energy. And so when we left and we were talking about some of the things she shared, it was kind of fun because obviously she can relate to a lot of the motherhood conversation. And, you know, um, she could also relate a lot to, you know, she had a partner who was disabled, so she could relate to a lot of that as well. But there were some things like that she hadn't considered like from the race perspective. And so there were even a couple of things I said that she was like, I just didn't know that, you know? And, and she was like, I just realized I don't have a lot of, um, 
I just don't have a lot of black women friends. And mm-hmm. so I just didn't know that. And so that was kind of that was kind of interesting. And she's completely open to it, yeah. totally gets it, you know, wasn't disagreeing. Just I think there were some things that she heard that she had never heard before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Yeah. And it's good that she was willing to put herself in that situation. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times when we think about just the premise for this show, mm-hmm. um, we recognize and know that um, motherhood is hard. Motherhood yes. is going to be challenging. Yeah. But because of our identities and the identities of our children, it's not going to be the same. Yes. Right. And and so that's one of the things that we want to shine a light on as we continue to do this podcast is that, you know, there is going to be hard. There's going to be challenges, but open yourself up to the understanding that the challenges may be different for other people, but be willing to learn about them mm-hmm. without judgment. Learn about them with acceptance and and with a curious heart. Right. And without trying to fix it for others, I think is the big part of that. Yes, Tara. <laughs> that part. That part. That part right there. White women. We <laughs> don't need to fix it. We just need to listen. Yeah. And be open. And be open. And not say, well, that's not my experience. So that's not true. Right. Right. And don't we hear that from some people? It's like, well, how could that person feel this way? I don't feel that way. I know this one other person who doesn't feel that way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. That part. We're going to leave that for another <laughs> that's episode. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah. The last chapter we're going to yeah. talk about is partnering well. Yes. And and how Michelle Obama kind of hit the jackpot with Barack Obama mm-hmm. as her life partner and chosen life partner. And what she writes in that chapter is that when you know your own light, you are then better prepared to share it with another person. One of my favorite quotes from that book. That is so powerful. Mm-hmm. It is about fixing yourself, mm-hmm. being your whole self mm-hmm. before you were able to then enter into other relationships and kind of share your light and share your beauty with other people. And that might be like a romantic partnership. It might be a, a child, it might be a friend, all of that. But it's when you know your own light, mm-hmm. then you can shine brightly on other people. So she talks, I think, about her relationship with President Obama there. She does. Yeah. And a couple of stories there that she shared with y'all out on the so tour. So many stories. I was, We're going to talk about one right well, now. Well, yeah, we'll talk about one. So I was going to tell another one. So this is a surprise for Kanji. So I'm going to tell a different one. Because one of the things that she shared with us that was so funny and we and we loved it so much was she was telling us about when they were first dating and they had been dating for a little while and he was going to take her home to Hawaii to meet his family. And she was she made a joke about. So that's why I was dating him is because I get to go to Hawaii because <laughs> she, she was south side of Chicago. She'd never been to Hawaii. Right. So she's telling the story about being so excited to get to go to Hawaii for Christmas and be like, yeah, let's go. And. She had this vision in her mind of like romantic beach walks and Hawaii and being a big Hawaiian tourist. You know, she's like, tell us she had this romantic vision. And she goes, and then we get there and that's not what happened. We're at his grandmother's house and she's using their names. I can't remember their nicknames. So she's like, we're at, you know, Graham's house and we're just sitting around with family, like talking and eating. And like, then we're going to this person's house because they're kind of spread around. And and she goes, and it turned into like, this was all family, his family time. And she goes, and I started to get a little sideways, like, hey, you know, what about romantic beach walks? <laughs> you know, and she was like telling us, you know, how she felt about it. And she said she realized at one point during the trip, like, wait a minute, he doesn't ever get to come down here. Like this is for him, his the only one of the few times he gets to spend with his family and they're spread all around the island. So we had to move around and see him and stuff. And she said she realized that that was the romantic part, that he mm-hmm. was bringing her there to share that time with her. And he was showing her that family comes first, that 
you know, while they have this relationship and they're together, that his family time is important to him. And she said, and it took me a minute to come around on it and realize that that is the partner you want. And she was telling us, like, uh, she said, I talk to young people all the time. And I'm like, listen, you can go for, you know, cute guy that takes you to Hawaii and walks down the beach with you. She's like, but long term, I realized that I wanted was a partner who showed me all the time that his family is the most important. And, and she goes, and he has always done that with us. Like we are, his, we are the most important. And she said, and I don't think I realized how romantic that was at the time. It took me a minute to come around on it. And we loved that story so much, especially because she tells it really funny. Like she was like cracking us up about like her vision and yeah. like what really happened. Right. <laughs> so we were laughing about that. But she was saying like, like that was one of those moments where she realized how important it was to pick a partner with the same values, Mm -hmm. not just like super romantic, somebody that shows you who they are and that shares the same values. I loved it. They both have very strong family values Mm -hmm. and and the belief that families should be built on, you know, unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And they both have this heart of service, like unflinching service to family and to Mm -hmm. community and to Mm -hmm. country, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just created a fantastic partnership yeah. and not a partnership without problems either. That's so right. both both um, President Obama and First Lady Obama have spoken in, about the, some of the challenges they've had within their marriage, how they've seen merit, marriage counselors and things like that. And I know she talked about that on tour as well. She did. She was talking about and, and all of the moms in the room could feel it because we all know that from the time a baby is born until they're like maybe where we are now, right, the 10, 12 mark. It's a, it's hard on a marriage. Yes. And she straight up was like, listen, there were like 10 years that not like that man. She, and then it was funny because at the time they were sh- flashing pictures of her with Malia and Sasha as kids, like babies. And every time she'd be like, see, I didn't like him right there. And then she was like, see, I didn't like him right there. And you could see it on her face. She mm-hmm. was like in the throes of motherhood. We remember this. Yes. Right. And so I really loved it that she's like, listen, I love... I love him. We're partners. But there was a long time there that we were not like I just we did not jive all the time. Yeah. Which is great to hear. Like, oh, wow. Even even Michelle Michelle and Barack Obama Obama have struggled. (laughs) That's right. Even Michelle and Barack Obama go to marriage counselors Mm -hmm. and see a Mm -hmm. therapist, um, which is something that's like, okay, there's nothing wrong with me if I also have these feelings or whatever validated and also not alone. Yeah. Which is good. Which is good. So. Um, again, I haven't read The Light We Carry. It's something that I'm hoping that somebody's going to get me for my holiday season this mm-hmm, year. So somebody, mm-hmm. anybody, if you're listening, podcast family, <laughs> go ahead and send me a copy. As we get ready to wrap up, like, what is it that you you wish you could, like, share with everyone on our podcast about, like, what you learned from that experience and kind of like what you wish that you could impart and, and share with, with, uh, with the podcast family? Um, that's a great question. I think I walked away from that experience feeling, I don't know if I would say, I mean, I guess inspired. I mean, more than anything, I think it's the same thing we talk about all the time on this podcast is just when you sit with somebody or you hear someone's story and you can hear your own story in that. Um, And sitting in a room with Michelle Obama and hearing her share the same kind of struggles I've had or the same kind of feelings I've had, um, And just knowing, just knowing that we all kind of have those same experiences, it felt really validating and and it was, it was inspiring. I I will also say getting to see her in a new light 
um, like I said, just she was just so free. And I mean, even Hoda was like, I don't think I realized you were this funny. Like mm-hmm. we all were just dying laughing. She was cracking us up. And so it was kind of fun to see somebody that you've watched on a public stage for a while and have them become sort of more human in your experience. And then also on the other side, I mean, it was a really lovely trip with my mother-in-law. So we talked about, you know, girls nights a couple of weeks ago and spending time with the women in your life. And we had a really lovely trip and it was super fun to do that with her. So, I mean, I just all the way around, it was a really gorgeous experience. I don't know if I could share just one thing. It was all pretty lovely. Yeah. I'm so glad that you had that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a little sad that I didn't have it. <laughs> Let's to be honest. I'm going to throw that out there, podcast family, because I know you, you knew, you know, I I'm thinking she's going to be mad. She's petty. She can't help it. <laughs> However, that does not distract from the fact that I am so happy that you had this experience yeah. and you were able to um, to participate and share it with your mother-in-law. Yeah. What a special time for you. Um, one thing that Michelle um, Obama had written in Becoming, and I had underlined this and I I have this quote written down in one of my journals. It just says, you know, I'm still in progress and I hope that I always will be. Mm. Let us be mindful and let us remember that we are all works in progress. We are all just showing up in this wild world doing the best we can. Mm -hmm. So let us extend grace to one another. Let's learn about each other. And if you have the opportunity, please pick up the book, The Light We Carry. If you can, pick it up from a small business, um, a local bookstore so that we can support um, businesses in our communities. With that being said, Tara and I are going to sign off for this week. Oh, we will um, include some links to the book. We will get the book on the show notes. You can see that there. So make sure that you're following us on your listening platforms because we'll have the notes there for you, um, the book. And then even there's a few more tour dates left. So if you get a chance to travel somewhere and see her soon, then we'll put that there for you, too. And if you get an extra ticket to see her on tour, take me. (laughs) Be better than Tara. Kanji needs a partner. (laughs) I will be there for you. Um, As Tara and I will always be here for you each week, same time same place. Guard your health, mental, physical, and spiritual, and take good care.